Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. So today is week three of a series that we're in called Nucleus, and we're talking about what's at the center of us as a church. What is the purpose? What is the reason that we're gathered? And so we've been in this series, it's about our community of faith, about Grand Valley. And we've been using this title, Nucleus, to help center us, because the definition of nucleus is it is the central and most important part of an object, group, or movement that forms the basis for its activity and its growth. So we're talking about what's at the core of us as a church. And we've been really kind of pushing into this concept that the way that Jesus taught about the church and the way the New Testament teaches about the church is that it's not a building, it's not a service, it's not a place, but the church is the assembly of people. It's the people that gather together for a purpose. And that purpose is something that Jesus gave to us and at the very end of his time on earth. After his death and after his resurrection, Jesus had this time period where he kept meeting with his disciples and appearing before people, and he was kind of giving them these teachings that were a continuation of what he had spoken during his life that was about commissioning them and getting them ready for what the purpose of the church is. And so there's a passage we've been going to constantly in this series that focuses in on this, and it comes from Matthew 28, the end of Matthew's gospel, where he says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. And I appreciate that Matthew includes this detail that even Jesus's closest friends still were like, is this, did this really happen? Is this really what's going on? Is this really what Jesus was leading towards? And so Jesus comes and he meets his disciples and he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He says, I have the power over heaven and earth. And from that authority, I'm giving you this command. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In hindsight, we've named this passage the Great Commission, that this is the moment where Jesus is commissioning the church and sending the church out on its purpose of saying, now, after everything I've taught you, after everything I've shown you, now it's your turn to go, that this is God's plan. And if we rewind a couple of days, if we rewind to before Jesus was arrested, in the Gospel of John, John records this final prayer that Jesus has before he knows he's going to his crucifixion. And Jesus is praying, and part of that prayer, Jesus says this. He says, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. And then he says this, and this is the part I want us to focus in on. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. See, when Jesus says this, he is understanding that the purpose that he is giving to his disciples is not just for that first generation of the church, but this is a purpose that carries on throughout the church until Jesus returns. This is the task that Jesus has given to us to hold on to and to carry and to move forward. Because God is still active today, both directly and working through us, his followers. 
And so in this series, we've been talking about our specific mission as a church. How do we summarize this together for who we are as Grand Valley Church? And we've been talking about how our mission says to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And we've been talking about how that is both evangelism, which means to be sharing the good news about Jesus Christ with everyone. And it's also talking about discipleship, which is teaching and helping people to grow. That is the function of why we gather. That's our purpose of when we come together is we want to help people discover who Jesus is and grow deeper in their faith with him. Now, once we know what we're doing together, there's a second question that follows. And that question is the one that we're going to dig in together today. And that's how do we figure out how we're going to do that? Because just having a mission statement doesn't mean we're going to live it out. Simply having a mission statement doesn't guarantee we're going to take steps that move us forward in it. In fact, there's plenty of organizations and plenty of churches that have beautiful and wonderful mission statements, and maybe they even put them up on their wall in a nice decorative font, and it it stands there. But if we don't actually figure out how, it doesn't guarantee that we're actually going to do anything. It can be like, oh, great, we made a nice statement. We set it there. And if we don't touch it, if we don't come back to it, if we don't wrestle through the questions of how, we'll never make any progress on it. And this is true about any area of of our lives. We can have all the intentions in the world, but if we don't actually figure out a plan and put it into action, our intentions aren't really worth much. I mean, you can say to your wife, well, I, I intended to remember your birthday, but does that get you anywhere? No. I I intended to go and and get gas for my car, but now I'm stuck on the highway because, well, I didn't carry it out. See, intentions are great, but intentions are only great if we turn them into action. And so that's what we're talking about today when we talk about our mission being an intention, but how will we actually live it out? And I want to bring up this Anut kind of term into the conversation, one you've heard before, and that's this, that a clear strategy forms the link between having a mission and living out the mission. Even as a church, as a community of faith, do we have a strategy? Do we have a plan for how we will take the intention of our mission and turn it into reality? And sometimes when you hear the term plan or strategy talked about in the church or in faith circles, there's often a criticism that people will bring up and say, well, hang on, wait a second. If you're making a plan, then you're not following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Aren't we just supposed to go as the Spirit leads us? Aren't we just supposed to have faith that the Holy Spirit will guide us and trust us in everything we do? The problem with that criticism is it comes from a flawed understanding of what faith truly is. Because the way faith is talked about in Scripture, the way Jesus talks about faith, the way the apostles in the New Testament talk about faith, faith is not blindly following something. Faith is always described as informed trust. Faith is knowing that we can trust God to fulfill his promises because we see that he has fulfilled his previous promises. We've seen him in action. We've seen him at work. And because we know that God always holds to his promises, we know that the promises he has made about the future, he will carry out. Faith is not blind trust. It is informed trust. And secondly, if we look at who God is and what he's done, we look at even the whole picture of scripture, God is a planner. 
God constantly is making plans. He's making a picture of the future. He's making decisions in advance. And in fact, Paul, when it comes to his letter, he writes to the Ephesian church. He starts this early on in the letter. He says, God decided in advance. That means God made a plan. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God makes plans and carries them out. And lastly, if we say, well, we're supposed to rely on the promptings of the Holy Spirit, well, surprise, the Holy Spirit can guide the creation of our plans in the same way he guides our strategy as we execute it. The Holy Spirit knows what I was going to come up here to say anyways, so why don't I just rely on him telling me that earlier? I don't just get up here and wing it every Sunday. I hope that's obvious. Maybe some pastors can. I can't. But I actually find, like, the, the time that I spend sitting and wrestling through passive scripture, wrestling through what we're going to talk about, that's the time that I'm encountering God and encountering the Holy Spirit, guiding and shaping then what we do when we come together and then we experience and we focus on the Word and we have conversations together that guide us and lead us further in our mission. So if we say, if we're going to be a community that is leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus, how are we going to do that? What's our strategy for how we'll live this out? How do we turn this from intention into implementation? How do we turn this from just a great thought and a nice phrase that sounds kind of catchy into something that is real and tangible? And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about some pieces of strategy. Now, these are not linear one, two, three steps to go through. In fact, we're actually talking about our strategy in almost more of a cultural sense of how are we shaping ourselves as a community of faith? And so I'm going to phrase these things as questions. Now, these questions are not to grade ourselves on. I'm not trying to create a report card of our church. That's not the intention at all. But these are questions because questions make us think through, well, what will we do? Questions make us think through, what's the implication? What's the application? What's the step to move forward in this? And so I'm going to ask three kind of questions that are part of our strategy that lead us in the direction that we're seeking to go as a church. And so the first one is this. Are we a community that is welcoming and builds relationships? Are we being a community of people when we gather together that is welcoming and building relationships? And why this is so important is that everything we do, we were created to be relational. In fact, God himself is relational in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the Trinity, in the three persons, but one God. And God created us to have a relational longing for him. And all of us are craving relationships in some way or another. In fact, there was a tweet that went around on Twitter a little while ago that said this, nobody talks about the miracle that Jesus had 12 close friends in his 30s. And then the first comment was a smart Alex saying, hold up, it was 11. But if you think about this for a moment, we think about this, all of us often feel starved for relationships. All of us often feel like we're just stuck in the busyness of life and we can never get our heads above the water long enough to actually look around and say, hey, let's actually have coffee like we planned we do, or let's actually do something together. Because oftentimes we get so busy and overwhelmed that we start realizing that our relationships, our friendships have been slipping off. And that's not the way that God designed us to be. God designed us to live in community. And we're not going to dig into the whole extrovert, introverted piece, but everyone, whether you're extroverted, introverted, somewhere in the range between those two extremes, 
everyone still desires meaningful connections and relationships. And so as a church, one of the ways that we remind ourselves of this is with this statement that the goal is not for everyone to know everyone, but for everyone to be known by someone. Even in a room this size, it's not possible to maintain this many close friendships. Maybe you're way more gregarious and outgoing than me. Maybe you think you can, but most of us can't. And so in a community of faith, is it possible for everyone to be known by someone? Are we able to find those relational connections, maybe through a life group, maybe it's through a serving team, maybe it's, it's just through people you meet that you intend to find intentional time to connect over a coffee or over doing something together. But one of the characteristics of the early church and why we talk about this is a defining characteristic and what made the church such a remarkable thing in the first century was its culture of hospitality and inclusion. In fact, the early church was the only place in Roman society where people of different social classes, where people who were both slaves and free, where people even of different racial backgrounds gathered together. That's also why the church was criticized when it was beginning in its infancy because they were saying, well, how can any good of this come because it's messing up the way our society is supposed to work? In fact, one of the criticisms why the Roman governors and the Roman emperors didn't like Christianity is they said when people become Christians... They form such a tight-knit community, their allegiance will be to each other and to their God instead of to the Roman Empire. And it's like, well, yes, that's exactly how it's supposed to be. But that's why the Roman Empire felt threatened by the growing church, because of their culture of radical hospitality and inclusion. And in fact, even in each local church, they weren't permitted to have buildings, they weren't permitted to gather freely. So whoever in that community had the largest property, that's where the church meant. If you had the biggest living room and the biggest great room in your home, that's where everyone came to share a meal together and eat together no matter what their background was. See, it's the radical love and hospitality and inclusion of the early church that made it such a powerful force for change in the early world. And this goes right back to how Jesus was teaching his disciples. In fact, one of the times near the end of his ministry, a group of Pharisees and religious leaders were trying to trap him by talking about the law, and they asked him, what is the most important commandment of the Old Testament law? And Jesus turns it on them, and he uses it to make a statement, to make a declaration. He says this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he went on to say one more phrase. He said, all the law and demands of the prophets hang upon these two commands. And he tells the religious leaders, if you do these two things, you've already done everything that the law requires. If you are putting God first, if you love God, and if you love your neighbor as yourself, you've already done everything that's needed. That love that Jesus talked about is what makes the church so radically different in our world. And that's why we talk about being a place where are we able to find meaningful relationships? Are we able to combat the loneliness that many of us feel? How are we doing that together? And so the second thing that we look at is we say, are we creating a Sunday experience that connects and engages people with Jesus? Now again, the church is not the Sunday gathering. The church is the people. But when we gather, what we do shapes who we are and shapes how we're presenting Jesus, how we're hoping people are connecting with God every time we gather. 
And so I'll give you a little bit of almost like a peek behind the curtain of like, these are the things that we talk about as we're planning and figuring out our Sunday services. And one of the first guiding principles we have is, is our church a safe place to explore faith in Jesus? Is this a place where we can ask questions about our faith? And when we have complicated questions, we actually sit and wrestle through the complicated answers. My intent is never to give a simple pad answer to a question that carries deep weight and meaning to us. And so we even use this when we pick the conversations we talk about saying, are we diving into the topics that are affecting us? Now, all of us come from different backgrounds, have different life experiences, and so we've got to figure out how do we do that in a large way. But are we a church where it is safe to bring your doubts? Are we a church where it's safe to bring your questions? Every time someone came to Jesus with their doubts, not once did Jesus ever reject them. He always met them in their doubt and used, as it, used it as an opportunity to show his love and his grace and his mercy. And so are we doing the same? And so that leads us into the second one. Are we having meaningful conversations about our faith and our life? Are we talking about topics that are relevant to where we are? And are they helpful in helping us understand how faith and our lives intersect? Are we able to do this in ways that apply to everyone that help us wrestle through what all of us often have in the back of our minds? And one of kind of my priorities in this is saying, is this, are we talking about everything in a way that if someone walks in here with no faith background, no experience, can they understand what we're talking about? And so you'll notice I don't use Christian jargon or theological terms that often. And if I do, I make sure to define and explain them well. Because you shouldn't need to have gone to Bible college to be able to understand what we're talking about. In fact, we should be able to speak very clearly and plainly so that anyone, no matter what their background is, can be part of that meaningful conversation we're having. And the third one is this. Are we creating multiple opportunities for people to connect with God? Some of you, when you come here, your peace where you feel connected with God and you feel the closeness of the Spirit is through music and worship. And when I get up here, you're just like, okay, how long is Brian going to talk for today? And that is totally okay. You don't have to hide from that. Because every one of us has been wired to connect with God in different ways. And we talked about this last week when we talked about discipleship. And so when we gather, are we creating opportunities and are we creating space for people to connect with God? For some people here, you know, you stand through the music and you like listening to it, but you're like, let's dig into something difficult and let's find where God is through this piece of scripture and how it applies to what we're wrestling with in our lives. And that's my people. I love worship, but I mean, I love sitting over coffee and wrestling through theology with people. And even when we get to the points where we say, I don't know, that's where, that's where we create opportunities for God to do some crazy, incredible things. But whether you connect with God through relationships with people, through fellowship, through gathering together, through music, through, through the conversations we have, that's our desire and our hope is that we're creating multiple opportunities to connect with God every single Sunday. Now, that isn't just for this side of the building. In fact, on the other half of our building is our kids' own ministry. And I want to take a moment and brag on them and what they're doing because everything we've talked about as this is what we're doing as a church, leading people into a growing relationship, that's what KidZone is doing for kids. Their focus is on an age range, but they're doing an incredible job with that, of teaching kids about who Jesus is and laying the building blocks of faith in children. And in fact, our church 
blows the regular averages out of the water. In fact, there's been a lot of groups that have done studies on this. The average North American church's children's ministry is 15% of their main service attendance. Our average is 37%. We are more than double the average. That speaks to how well our kids' own team is doing at sharing, creating environments that kids want to be in, creating environments that are helping kids find meaning. I mean, I'm going to be a proud dad for a moment. My two-year-old, the first Sunday he was in kids' own, when he hit two, you know, they actually squeaked him in a week early. They were really kind to us that way because he really wanted to go. We found the craft from that week a couple weeks later, and I asked Logan, what's this? And he pointed, man, tree, Jesus. And I said, well, what's that about? Man, see Jesus. He's two, and three weeks later, he's still remembering the lesson they were teaching. Okay, I'm a proud dad. I'm going to brag on my kids. But that's what our kid zone is doing, and that's why it is so important for us as a church. So beyond, are we creating places for meaningful relationships? Are we creating a Sunday experience that helps people connect with Jesus? The third one is this. Are we inspiring hope? As a community of faith, are we inspiring hope in the future? Now, there's a lot of communicators and a lot of pastors that will take a pessimistic view of the world and will say, our world is terrible, it's in moral decline, and we have to stop it. And that attitude doesn't help. Yes, their goal is good. Yes, their intentions are great. But we actually, if we want to inspire hope, we need to start with optimism. We need to start with recognizing that as followers of Jesus, we have the source of hope living within us. In fact, Paul, when he wrote his letter to the Roman church, it's the longest letter he wrote. And he knew that a strong church in Rome could influence the known world because Rome was the epicenter of everything in those days. And when he comes to the end of the portion where he's been teaching the Roman church, he makes this declaration. This is his prayer for the the growing church in the most important city of the known empire at the time. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Informed trust, not blind trust. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That word to overflow means to spill over. Is our hope in what God can do spilling over out of us? Is it infecting the world around us? As a community of faith, Is our hope for what God is doing and our hope for the future so strong that we're able to inspire people because our world needs to learn how to have hope again, not be driven by fear. And so will the church have enough hope to share? Will we have enough hope in our own lives that we can start to inspire hope in other people? Are we able to have these difficult conversations in ways that lead us towards hope? Now, one of the other statements that our church and our board of elders, we've spent a lot of time wrestling through and putting together is something that we call our vision statement. And a vision statement is a picture of what our church will look like when we're moving forward, when we're doing these things well, when we're starting to see our community of faith shape and shift and really focusing on how we're leading people into growing relationship. The vision statement gives us kind of a picture of, well, this is what it will look like. This is how we know we're taking steps forward in our mission. And we talk about our vision being a community that is connecting unchurched people to Jesus. Because when our hope is overflowing, 
when we're having meaningful conversations, when we're inviting people into meaningful relationships, into finding connection with one another that leads to a deeper connection with God, that's when we'll see people choosing to put their trust in Jesus. And the term unchurched just means someone who doesn't have a connection with Jesus. And to narrow it down a little bit even more, there's a lot of sociologists that, are, that study the church, and we look at trends in the church and what's happening, and the Barna Group is one of the big ones in the States, and they divide it down into two terms, that there are the nuns and the duns, N-O-N-E-S, nuns and duns. There are people that are either a nun, they have no faith background, and then there's the duns, the people that have chosen to walk away from their faith. They chose at some point in their life, I'm done with this. I'm done with the faith I grew up with and the fact that it never gave me the answers to the questions I'm seeking. Or there's people that just have no concept of what life with Jesus is like. And how as a church are we positioning ourselves to be able to reach people with the message of hope, with God's love, with his peace, with his presence? Those are questions we have to ask so that we can move forward in this. One of the biggest themes in the whole New Testament goes back to of one of the, two of the passages that we read, back to Ephesians, where it says, it was God's plan to reveal himself, first to the Jewish people, and then Jesus steps into the world to reveal God to everyone. And then as Jesus dies, as he makes a new path open to us through his death and through his resurrection, then that task comes to us, to us who are part of the church 2,000 years later, being the ones to reveal who God is. And so there's a question, and this is where we're taking our questions away from us as a community and talking about us individually. Each one of us has to spend some time with a tough question of saying, what is my role in helping other people connect with Jesus? What are the ways that God has equipped me? What are the ways that God has given me abilities, given me resources, abilities to help people connect with the source of hope? and the source of life that is found in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to end our service a little different today, and we're going to end with another song. And the song may be unfamiliar to you, but we're going to have the words up on the screen so you can follow along and just read them and go. And this song talks about God's love. And the song is called No Outsiders. It's about the fact that when it comes to God's love, there are no outsiders. God's love is for everyone But we get this unique task and this unique responsibility that we get to be with Jesus in living this out. And so I invite you to to pay attention to this, to listen and reflect on the words uh, as we close with this song today. When Jesus was talking with his disciples about what God was doing, and when they asked questions about heaven, when they asked questions about what the future would be, Jesus responded by saying, In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not the case, I would have told you so. God is calling every person into a deeper relationship with him. God is pursuing people deeply. In fact, many of our own lives, we can look back and we can see in hindsight the ways that God was trying to call us to him. And so we have to ask this question of ourselves. What is my role in helping other people to connect with Jesus? What is my role in helping lead people into a growing relationship? Because this isn't just one thing that a pastor does. This isn't just something that the church does on our behalf because the church is the people. So each one of us gathered together have to ask this question, what is my role 
and helping other people connect. And the thing that's so beautiful about it is when we find that, when we find the, the way that God has uniquely wired each one of us, the way that God has shaped our identity, the way he has equipped us with gifts and talents and abilities, that's where we find some of the deepest fulfillment and meaning in our life. When we get to be squarely in what God created us to do. And so next Sunday is our Vision Sunday. We're going to have two services, a service at 11, then we're going to continue that evening at 6 o'clock. And I want to really encourage you to plan to be here for this. And if you haven't grabbed one of our annual reports, if you haven't read through this, we've still got more copies available. Pick one up in the lobby and read through it before next Sunday. And I hope to see you here. So folks, let me just end with a word of prayer. God, thank you that in your love there is no outsiders. That in your love there is room for everyone. And that in your love you are calling all of us deeper and closer to you. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us wrestle with this question that each one of us would reflect and say, what is my role? What is the ways you've equipped us and empowered us to make a difference in other people's lives? Lord, would you walk with us and guide us and lead us as we wrestle through this together? In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. See you next Sunday. We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.